wow, this yeah. is delicious. I love this. Yeah. Where can I get more? This is totally different from any coffee I've ever had. Right. My name is Timon. So I am the founder of Laca. Uh, we're a Vietnamese coffee brand. Although it's hard, it's coffee. What we've really done is marry the product with storytelling. Without the story is basically a commodity. It's, what, it's the story, you know, when you really pull all, everything aside, it's the story what adds value and that, you know, creates the brand over the long term. So why do you think it is that maybe Vietnamese coffee has yet to have this kind of global acceptance that other coffee cultures maybe already have? Marketing only exists in Vietnam since the economic reforms in 1986. Wow. And you can see slowly very high quality brands coming out of Vietnam. And I think that this is a great opportunity for the country to like have an impact on every kitchen around the world. And we really you know, hope that people visit us here and, and learn because it's super fun. And it's also really delicious. I want to begin the interview by asking you for a self-introduction. Who are you? What do you do? Sure. So thanks, Alicia, for coming to Laca. My name is Timon. So I am the founder of Laca. Uh, we're a Vietnamese coffee brand based out of Ho Chi Minh City. And uh, I've been here for several, quite a while, as we just uh, talked about right before, uh, 16 years. I came here when I was quite young. I was, I think, just turned 22. And... Uh, I worked in several different businesses. My last sort of real job, as I sometimes uh, kind of jokingly say, was at Remy Cointreau, which is a wine and spirits company. I was the head of marketing for the region. At some point, it became much easier for foreigners to do direct investments into Vietnam. Um, previous, previously, it was difficult. Mostly maximum you could really own was 49% which was sometimes creating some difficulties in, uh, in feeling uh, confident in investing. And, but laws have changed as part of the, uh, Vietnam's sort of, uh, you know, step-by-step um, -step entry into sort of the WTO program. And therefore, uh, uh, Vietnam has uh, slowly opened more and more sectors for uh, foreign investment. And uh, so I started doing that and I founded uh, several different businesses in, uh, co-founded rather in, in furniture and in software and media. Um, but, but, you know, I felt for a long time that something was missing. I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I was really proud of the businesses that I, that I was involved with, but I realized that none of them had much to do with Vietnam. They were always about bringing foreign brands or foreign ideas to Vietnam. And, and that is not really what brought me to Vietnam. You know, Vietnam is what brought me to Vietnam. It's the people, it's the culture, it's the it's the you know beauty of the country itself, and um, and 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 so about five years ago, I, I really realized that I, I wanted to do something that was about Vietnam, and so I wasn't a coffee expert by any means. You know, uh, in fact, if I drank more than two cups, I would get kind of jittery, and and so um, you know, it wasn't necess necessarily going to be a coffee company at first. But after really looking into various uh, product categories, um, you know, coffee, coffee really spoke to me because very few countries have this sort of, um, uh, t these two elements where it's both a coffee producing country and a country that has its own unique coffee culture. I mean, even Italy that has probably the most famous coffee culture in the world 
doesn't actually grow its own coffee. They import beans from countries like Vietnam okay. to produce and roast. And they're very good at that. But, you know, to live in a country that has a supply chain that's essentially six hours from point to point wow. in terms of driving, at least, is incredible, right? Most people uh, who, who um, enjoy their coffee, it comes from thousands of, you know, thousands of miles away. So, you know, th th this really drew me to coffee specifically. And that's why I founded La Caf uh, in early 2020. Amazing. So you described that you've had, you know, experience working in kind of, it sounds like a more corporate position or more corporate role doing marketing for larger brands outside of Vietnam. What was kind of the shift like for you of opening your own brand that has so much local vibe and local culture? I mean, you had to create the branding for the products, the space as well. What kind of shift was that like for you? Yeah, certainly, you know, when you're doing or representing uh, foreign brands, um, you know, you're going to get a lot more um, from Central, right? And and, and and various environments, various uh, organizations and, and brands will allow uh, different levels of, of creative input on, on, you know, domestically, so to speak. So, um, you know, and adaptations and things like that. And, and certain brands will allow more for, um, uh, you know, uh, local adaptations, but also uh, feedback and send, in the sense of, hey, this is not going to work for Vietnam, for instance, and this might work, but we need to change it. Um, so it, it really does, it does uh, matter a lot uh, what kind of company you work for. But I think the biggest shift really is Going indeed from a company where, uh, or an environment where, where although you can bring a lot to the table domestically at Remy Quintro, I was able to do that. To to really having to create everything from the ground up, it's a really rewarding rewarding experience. But it's um, at the same time, um, you know, it's 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 not the un, uh, you know you should not underestimate how much work that is to really build a brand and and, and you know. You know, so some people take a very organic approach and they're okay with that. Um, Vietnam is a very fast moving country though, right? And and so my goal is to try to really build out the business more rapidly. Now, COVID did not particularly help in that in that regard, but um, but overall, uh, you know, we, we, we are really investing in this business to try to uh, make it more significant and larger on a shorter time frame, a little bit like Vietnam as a country is. I see. Right? So kind of trying to really like jumpstart it a bit, especially Absolutely. following COVID. Yeah. Now people are coming yeah. back to Vietnam yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, tourists are coming back and the it's definitely visiting Saigon. It's very lively. The energy is like in the air, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, sure. Have you kind of shifted your approach then to your marketing efforts since COVID ended moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the, the goal of our brand is to be an international Vietnamese coffee brand. So although that Vietnam still is our largest market, I don't see that being the case five years from now. I think that international markets will become our, our biggest, uh, you know, our biggest revenue source, so to speak. So, um, you know, we are creating, you know, our goal is really to create a brand that Vietnamese people like and appreciate and, and are proud of. But at the same time, um, you know, really it, it is a brand that is is consumed by global audiences. Um, so from the get-go, um, 
you know, we had that in mind. It wasn't something that developed later. Now, again, COVID did not help because uh, we had to certainly make um, difficult decisions, uh, you know, uh, in in uh, mid and late 2020 uh, from a from a very um, uh, you know uh, sort of ambitious and 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 sort of uh, global uh, vision to a more uh, domestic vision because you know we 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 decided at that point we wanted to continue. We're not going to hunker down and sort of bide our time uh, for for um, for a few years. Uh, we, we we really thought, okay, this is actually an opportunity for us to get ahead and 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 potentially, while our competitors are maybe choosing to sort of you know uh, lay low, you know we 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 really tried to use that time to develop our product portfolio. So we spent a great amount of time and resources um, building out uh, our product portfolio, uh, the quality, uh, making an export ready. Um, uh, proposition for for uh, new markets and and so I don't think that um, our strategy necessarily was affected so much uh, overall, but but the order of what things were gonna be done because initially we wanted to you know our first step in Lacaf was to make a very basic portfolio and then create experiences for visitors to Vietnam to come and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, because we, you know, Vietnam closed its borders in, I believe, April of 2020, um, that was not no longer really possible. So we really had to look, okay, what are we going to then do domestically? And, and so it was that, you know, trying to find customers domestically and really, uh, do our B2B, uh, domestic B2B sales expansion plus, um, Plus uh, uh, product development. That that was our focus for the, the two and a half years or two years that that uh, COVID was really affecting things here. I see. So is this maybe this? I could be wrong here, yeah. but perhaps then this feeds into some of the materials that I saw when I was learning about Lacoff. Uh, they include just these gorgeous videos on your YouTube channel that Thank look you. at the like with farmers, for example, or culture within Vietnam. Yep. I saw content in Vietnamese, in English, or in Korean. Can you talk a little bit about what your aim is with that kind of content? I think that that's not something that I usually see from a coffee shop or from a local coffee brand. Right. So, so um, we are definitely ambitious. You know, our 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 vision for the brand is to be the number one premium Vietnamese coffee brand globally by the end of the decade. Um, and but but also. Um, and, and then sort of the, you know, I don't really like the word premium, but sometimes it's difficult to get around it. Um, it's definitely a more upmarket product that like after the brand, the product, the quality that we, that we, that we make. So, um, although, uh, yeah, although that at its heart, it's coffee. What, what we've really done is marry the product, the sort of physical product with storytelling. And that's something that goes back to when I was working at Remy. And something I learned at, at Remy Quintro, and and I and I learned in subsequent endeavors that I did, you know, without um, storytelling, most things become basically a commodity, right? And commodity products are usually sort of the lowest uh, form of sort of value that you that you can create essentially. So, you know, um, for example, green beans, you know, just by themselves is just a commodity green coffee beans right but if you can say oh where is it exactly from and tell how it was how sort of it was processed and 
and what farmer did this and what is his or her story or you know suddenly it adds a lot of value to these green beans and it's no longer as a commodity mm -hmm. but it but it becomes you know a, a premium product suddenly even at just the green bean level mm -hmm. right and then if you then go and roast and you have some sort of uh, mindful approach to how you um, uh, brand and market the products and if you can continue telling stories around the products it's really what elevates your your brand and your and, and your and things that you sell to a higher level right now of course it's not uh, important necessarily for all consumers I think I mean there's certainly you know and maybe that's not also what we need like La Caf is not some something that really wants to speak to every consumer mm -hmm. we're a little bit more intellectual to our to our product and development and to our approach we, we're a brand that appeals to people who are really curious about the world that they're in and and ask questions and it's not only about their coffee but it's you know about the food that they eat in general the clothes that they buy um the vacations they go on they kind of decide based on sort of emotional and and sort of uh, you know gen you know principles that they lead their life and and they find it important to know what what you know where their products come from okay and so yeah so it's really you know storytelling is is really an, a huge element like 50% of what we do is is storytelling around the products that we create I see. so not just creating a space or creating a product for people to consume but also kind of creating this meaningful experience yeah. of that product and of yeah. that space yeah. i see yeah i mean where we sit right now this is called la Cafe coffee experiences space we have people coming through here every day and we have really talented coffee guides. We don't call them baristas, we call them coffee guides. And we call the people that visit uh, coffee explorers because they're coming here and they're sort of learning new things and, and learning new things that maybe they never tried before or, and, and really sort of uh, adding some additional meaning and, uh, and, and hopefully creating memorable experiences for them that they can take home and share with people uh, back home. That's great. Yeah. So when people come to visit the space and go on one of these kind of explorations, then do you run into people who are experiencing Vietnamese coffee for the first time? All the time, you know, absolutely. So when you look at uh, different uh, cultures in Brumath, certainly Italy is 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 Italian style has been popularized, and and it's it's easy to forget or not realize, but even as recent as 20 years ago, Italian style coffee consumption was still very much in its infancy on a global scale. Really? Right? I mean, certainly in boutique cafes, you know, but it, but it's really Starbucks and larger chains that chains that really popularized the espresso. Mm -hmm. Right. And before that, you know, it, it was relatively simple. And, you know, some people hear about first, first wave and second wave and things like that. So, so, you know, although it does take time to popularize styles of drinking coffee, it's it's not like, you know, we're not talking about hundreds of years, you know. And and I, I kind of believe that um, the, the, the Vietnamese very classic style, which is called Fin, P-H-I-N, that's a classic Vietnamese brew method. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredibly economical. It's the, the, the equipment is incredibly inexpensive compared to, let's say, an espresso machine for mm -hmm. sure. And it's very simple. And, you know, I think that, you know, although it's not in the top five of brew methods globally at the moment, I see no reason why in like 10 years from now, it should, should, shouldn't be in the top, you know, top five or even top three. Um, 
it's it's you know it's it doesn't have to only be con- consumed with Vietnamese coffee. It can be with uh, other uh, filter style coffees, and um, and I think that Vietnamese coffee in general has definitely experienced the very beginning of an incredible uh, uptake in popularity. And you see brands in the U.S. Um, popularizing Vietnamese coffee there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope to do you know take a really global approach as a brand, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think that. You know, a lot of people have never really tried Vietnamese coffee, um, and but a lot of people, when they try, they really love it, and I think that trend will continue for quite a while. That was exactly my experience. I yeah. was introduced by Vietnam or by a Vietnamese friend actually, yeah. who was running a Vietnamese food truck in Tokyo. There you go. Who offered traditional Vietnamese coffee in right. the metal filter, yeah. and I thought this is totally different from any coffee I've ever had. Right. I tried it and went, wow, it's yeah. delicious. I love this. Yeah. Where can I get more? Right. In my case, though, I found it was very difficult to find anything outside of, say, a Vietnamese restaurant right. where I could find Vietnamese right. coffee. Even ordering it online, there, there yeah. were limited, avail- yeah. like a li- limited availability. Yeah. So why do you think it is that maybe Vietnamese coffee has yet to have this kind of global acceptance that other coffee cultures maybe already have. Yeah, you know, Italians are masters at marketing, I think. (laughs) You know, you have beautiful brands from, you know, famous car brands to famous fashion brands and coffee brands as well, like Ili and Lavazza. Marketing only exists in Vietnam since the economic reforms in 1986. Wow. Right? So uh, the, the the economic reforms are called doi moi and basically happened in the year that I was born. So, you know, 37 years now, it's, you know, it's not really that long to really master the art of marketing and communication. Mm-hmm. And Vietnam, I would say only in the past decade, really started putting out world-class brands Um before it was very much on the commodity side, mm-hmm. okay. right? So going back to what I said before, I think anything, anything without a story, whether it's a table or flowers or whatnot, um, without the story is basically a commodity. It's what if the story, you know, when you really pull all everything aside, it's the story what adds value and that, you know, creates the brand over the long term. So, so, you know, but before Doi Moi, there was no need for storytelling. There was no need for brands at all because um, the, the way things worked essentially was very much in the sort of um, the, the standard socialist, uh, socialist communist model, which is, you know, people were allocated resources essentially equally, right? And so, um, you know, you don't need to convince anybody at that point <laughs> to, to buy your rice or, or, or salt or olive oil or whatever oil rather. But um, the idea of developing robust brands is, is very new still, you know, and, and while in, in Europe it's been going on for a very long time, um, in, in uh, Vietnam it's new. And, and I think that it's uh, a challenge that I think young uh, Vietnamese entrepreneurs are, are doing a very good job at, at tackling, building these brands, you know, and you can see slowly very high quality brands coming out of Vietnam, um, you know, and and I hope that that, I mean, that will for sure uh, accelerate and continue. Mm-hmm. But but that, that goes, you know, to answer your question, you know, before there wasn't a lot of communication around it. And I think that, you know, to be honest, for, for Vietnamese people, the Finn style brewing is so normal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like it's difficult for them to always appreciate how interesting and special it is. And mm-hmm. I think that this is a great opportunity for the country to like 
have an impact on every kitchen around the world. Sure, yeah, sure. And especially like for so, so many countries that have coffee as the part of their day every and, single day, yeah. it's like, what an opportunity, yeah. you know? There, there's just millions of people worldwide who without a doubt would say, yeah, I want to try that. Sure. But just haven't heard of it yet, haven't yeah. had the opportunity to experience it yeah. yet. So yeah. I feel like that's a wonderful like kind of gateway into, you know, learning more about another culture and yeah. also getting something that you can integrate into your life now. As Absolutely. Of, and that's exactly love. That's exactly what we're trying to do, right? Like we're trying to create a product that sort of makes that spark mm. with with consumers in the US, for instance, or Japan or or Korea and 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 hopefully um, you know, makes them more curious and more interested in, you know, learning more about the country maybe even visiting mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um, and becoming more regular Vietnamese coffee consumer. Right. Right. And I also, of course, want to ask if you could explain what is the name of the mm. coffee brand? What Lekoff, what does it mean? How did you, yeah, you know, I don't think it's, um, something that we need, like, like in principle that we, when we chose the name Lekoff, it wasn't like we wanted to have a very deep meaning. Um, that really sort of defines their company. Um, there were more practical reasons to choosing Lakaf, right? Like things like it's two syllables. It's easy for anybody to pronounce, whether you're Vietnamese, French, or American, even as simple as it was available as a .com. But, but, but at, at the end of the day, it, 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 there, is a, there is a sort of etymology behind it. So Laka in, in Vietnamese is a term, it's kind of a slang term for sort of complete uh, at ease and 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 and, and uh, freedom to uh, hang out and to take your time and be with friends or, or and and feel comfortable um to sort of explore or not or whatever you want so it's sort of this this kind of very blanket term for uh sort of a, a moments that you have that you can kind of um uh be be comfortable and 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 cafe is coffee. It's a, it's a, yeah. And so we sort of made a mesh of these two. And the idea here is, you know, to be completely free to enjoy mm -hmm. the coffee. So that's where it comes from. Okay. But, but, you know, again, you know, I think for us, it, it, um, it was really like, we liked it. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, yeah. it wasn't like, because it means something that we should, we just like me. Yeah. <laughs> and when you first hear it, when I first saw the name, I thought vaguely kind of French yeah. feeling, like I couldn't quite place what it was yeah. and then yeah. learned about it and like, oh, that kind of makes sense that it's not quite here, not quite there sort of name is kind of right. made up concept. But... Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, we not, we, you know, with our ambition, we obviously need to make a name that's trademarkable, <laughs> you know, so if you choose strictly a, a a name name that is something from a dictionary, a combination of words from the dictionary, that becomes a lot more difficult. And um, so, made up name is kind of uh, makes that easier a little bit, and that 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 part, um, and also being able to register it as as you know as uh, URLs. And um, but yeah, absolutely, you know. So when P in Vietnamese people read that, very often they. I wonder if that means what I think it means, you know. And a lot of, uh, especially um, uh, Westerners, let's say, uh, will will think that it's from French. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had that quite often, and doesn't bother us too much, you know. I think that in in marketing, it's sometimes good to be a little bit ambiguous because um, it makes people think about you more. Yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Great. Then I want to uh, ask a couple more questions that are mm -hmm. kind of related to. 
I believe, related to kind of your expansion into other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, we spoke briefly about uh, the content, the multilingual content that you've been producing yeah. to do storytelling and to share kind of these connections that you have with uh, farmers, for example. Yep. I also noticed uh, that you had some content available uh, in Korean on your YouTube channel. So what is kind of the thinking behind having multilingual educational resources available to people? Is that kind of a hint at the directions you're hoping yeah, to expand? For to? sure. Mm. So in this case, um, you know, English and Vietnamese are sort of the, the given because, you know, we're in Vietnam and English is sort of the most accessible language, I would say, for at least our target audience, um, you know, universally, so to speak. The Korean was was because we have a branch office there. Okay. So we have two people uh, working in Seoul um, who represent the company. Um, and so Korea, al although we also distribute now to Macau and Hong Kong and, and we're in talks for Japan and, um, uh, and several different countries, Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Korea is sort of the market that we're uh, testing a lot of things and, and seeing how we can best uh, sort of grow um, for uh, other Asia-Pacific markets. And so we hope to create more and more um, multilingual content and become better at that uh, in the future. But certainly we want to make, I mean, it, for example, I mean, again, the focus is a little bit on Korea because, uh, because of our relationship with Korea and our office there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we're, we're hiring now uh, coffee guides with fluent Korean uh, speaking abilities mm -hmm. because... Korea is also the number one foreign visitor to Ho Chi Minh City. Okay. Uh, I just got the numbers for last quarter. Last quarter, uh, it was number one and already half as many Korean visitors visited in the first quarter as the entire of last year. Wow. So it was like, I think, I think about 125,000 visited last quarter and 250,000 visited the entire last year. So that's because of COVID, obviously, right. but there, there, you know, there's a huge, not only is it number one, but, you know, we can expect probably around six, 700,000 Korean uh, visitors to Ho Chi Minh City uh, this year. Wow. And so we've decided that that's our strategic sort of um, uh, 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 first step, let's say, and in, in, in also our personal direct uh, involvement. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of seeing how we how we go that way. Uh, like you know, for instance, in Japan, we want to work with a distributor, um, maybe still supported out of the office in Seoul, but we can also consider you know maybe having just representative one representative, for instance, per country. And then we want to reach out to Japanese. We want to reach out to um, you know Hong Kong. Hong Kong, we already have distribution, and and for us, that's sort of low hanging fruit. Um, you know, we have Asia Pacific countries, many people have visited Vietnam before, so they do have a little bit of a, a, a sense of what Vietnam is. And then once we have a, a better foothold uh, in those countries, we're going to be looking more to the U.S. and, and to Europe as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, making, making, uh, native language content for these markets is really important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think YouTube is a great, is, I mean, I love YouTube personally. I think it's such a great, such a great, uh, web, you know, uh, social media platform. And, um, and they, they actually have the option, right. To, to add subtitles per language, yes. uh, which is something that we are not doing at the moment, but we will eventually do, especially if we have sort of the setup in a yeah. way that it becomes easier for us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I absolutely love you too. Yeah. <laughs>
So many different reasons. Yep. Such a great tool. Absolutely. Yep. Um, as we kind of get to the le- le- the latter half of our discussion, then yeah. I want to ask a couple of kind of more broad questions about you and your experiences then. Um, so I've just kind of broadly, you've spent a long time in yep. Vietnam. How would you say that your time here has kind of influenced how you've developed and how you've kind of changed, maybe from when you first arrived to yep. the person that you are today? Have you noticed? Yeah, I mean... I was a very different person when I arrived because I was only 22 years old and mm-hmm. and I had, you know, although I had some jobs in, in university, uh, you know, part-time jobs, you know, sometimes people ask me, oh, what's the working culture difference? And I have to be honest, I don't know because I haven't really spent much, uh, much time working in other, uh, in European work environments or in American work environments. So um, I can guess, but, but, you know, um, But I'm certainly a very different person. And Vietnam is certainly a different country than it was uh, 17 years ago um, or 16 years ago. You know, when when I first arrived, there were a lot less cars. There were a lot less bridges. There were a lot less tall buildings. You know, Vietnam is, I think the GDP per uh, capita or at least the GDP overall was maybe a third or so of what it is today. Yeah. So it's growing very fast. Um, one thing that hasn't changed is the the uh, sort of the energy for opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know that hasn't changed. Um, that's one of the differences, certainly, that I personally feel between here and and Europe, mm-hmm. um, or at least Holland, where I'm from. Um, you know, I love Holland, and and certainly also being here so long has made me appreciate Holland more when I'm there. Uh, you know, wow, Amsterdam is actually really beautiful where I'm from. I'm, when you live there, you know, you don't really realize that you take it for granted and now when i'm back i'm always like wow but yeah i mean there's so much to do still here right uh you know if you want to create i mean you certainly can create coffee company in in holland there's you know it's not like you can't do that but right um but you can really build some something interesting here and it's not going to cost you a lot a lot of money at out of the gate you can mm-hmm. you can even ten twenty thousand dollars make interesting ideas you know at least the basics and hire some people and try to start your business mm-hmm. in holland i don't think you can do very much with ten to twenty thousand euro i see and and so so that that energy is still here you know i think that you know uh, there are a lot more people there are a lot more cars there are a lot more tall buildings there are a lot more companies here but but the energy remains and i think that that's going to remain for quite a while still because there's still so much ahead ahead of us uh in, in vietnam uh-huh. and and a lot to do uh, a lot that that has you know that still is waiting for somebody to 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 come and do it great yeah. then maybe the flip side of this question then what do you find challenging about oh, yeah. working here yeah you know i think that i, I read one of your other questions and 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 um and sort of like what, what kind of advice or something like that would and and it maybe connected a little bit because i think i used to um not appreciate experience as much as as i do today and um you know i i and and the reason why before and i still appreciate this this reasoning to some extent is because experience can also limit your creativity sometimes because you're sort of used to doing it this way and you've been told this is the best way and so sometimes you kind of like limit yourself or kind of think this is the only way or and and you do see that a lot right people who work in industry for a specific industry for a long time have difficulty doing it new way even if the original way or the way that they're doing not always maybe makes sense sometimes it's good to just 
you know, even though everybody's doing it, doesn't mean it makes sense, right? So, you know, I think that the challenge is, you know, ex that, there, that, you know, Vietnam is still a super young country and, and you know, it doesn't have a lot of experience, I see. you know? Um, so people have kind of done, it's been done a certain way for an extended period of time, perhaps, but now there's a period of opportunity and kind of growth. And so kind of moving it's, in. Yeah, it's direction. a bit of both. You know, there's certainly people who are used to doing a certain way for a long time, but there's also a lot of young people who just haven't done it very long, mm -hmm. you know, haven't done marketing very long, haven't done um, accounting, very long, whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So the country is still, you know, I think, um, I don't think anybody would argue, right, that, that the country still has a lot of experience to make up for, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why um, it's such a magnet for uh, a foreigner, so to speak, to come and do it, and ho hopefully not forever, right? I sometimes think, you know, I'd like to not, you know, always do this. I'd love it if, if, uh, if, if in, you know, seven, ten years or so, a Vietnamese CEO can come over and take my place actually right okay. but um and and not to say that i am super experienced either but certainly you know finding experienced talent is is not easy mm -hmm. and uh and and i appreciate experience way more than i used to you know i used to be like oh it doesn't matter if you're not experienced as long as you have the energy that's true but you know experience also helps a lot in understanding how you make decision decision making process organizational systems uh, planning, all this sort of stuff. It's experience is also useful. So when you say experience in this case, then you're not just talking about, say, you know, building a brand or running a business necessarily, but also someone who has experience maybe navigating the intricacies of the local Absolutely. environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And so I was very ambitious before in the sense that I really thought, okay, we're just going to get a young group of people and going to learn together and things like that. But that's tough too. Mm -hmm. And it does that, you know, as you grow and as your company, expands getting people with a lot of real world experience um in certain key positions is is definitely useful and, but yeah vietnam is a young country and i mean that not not in the sense of the age of the country itself but the demographics you know it's very young right. and and you know we're all learning together mm -hmm. yeah great i want to finish just with a couple more broad questions mm -hmm. then uh first is just about your kind of inspirations as you're leading Laka. is there any brand or any organization or individual that really inspires you or you think i'd yeah, really absolutely. love to collaborate with that organization yeah, uh, yeah. i mean i think that maru chocolate uh, you know uh which is a which is a brand that was launched i think 11 years ago or so in in vietnam yeah, so vincent and sam they they, they were really in, in my opinion, one of the like first to build a Vietnamese high quality food brand, right? And that's the the key difference. Like like I said, in the past, uh, even on on the chocolate side, you know, chocolate was exported, and um, other countries, other brands, non Vietnamese brands would buy that and process it and package it, market and sell it. And and that's where most of the value capture is, right? In that latter side of the of the supply chain. And that's, in my opinion, super unfortunate. Just to illustrate, Vietnam is number two in the world in coffee growing in volume, right? In production volume. Mm -hmm. But it's number 11 in the world in value, in coffee wow. value. And why is that? It's because 
most of the production is exported in, again, it's sort of commodity, lowest sort of value part of the supply chain, and then imported uh, into you know, the US, Japan, um, Switzerland is a big one, and then processed and, and, and packaged and marketed and sold uh, uh, to the consumers at, from, from, that, from that point on, mm-hmm. right? So one of, our, one of our real goals is to try to make a change into that slowly. Like I don't expect that Vietnam will be uh, in two years from now, uh, number four or anything like that, but um, you know, I'd love to be in the top 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I hope that collective, which is the Lacaf parent company, can play an important role in 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 that. You know where we can slowly start creating high value products that are exported as a branded product rather than as a commodity. I see. I think that you know Vincent and Sam with Maru were really the the, the ones that showed many people that it's possible that that it that it that it's it's possible to do it at a super high quality of execution. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really admire them for that, you know, and then you see other brands coming out. Uh, it's a little bit different, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very admire uh, pizza 4 P, which is a, is a sort of a pizza Japanese influenced pizza restaurant. Um, uh, they did an excellent job. What I, what I admire a lot about them is, um, they're, 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 uh, very good at data. So they really, you know, and that's something that I think we can learn a lot from like how to capture and how to analyze, uh, you know, capture in a useful way and then analyze data mm-hmm. and make decisions at least partially with that data. I think it's also important to like not always listen to data because th- then you sort of get a very average yeah. picture. You, you might send lose a, kind of the human aspect. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You, you know, if you only listen to data as a pizza company, you probably only need a margarita and a pepperoni pizza, right? But, <laughs> and, and, but uh, in any case, so, so, you know, certainly these, these brands that are, that are being built out of Vietnam, you know, you have Mot Shoes, it's a shoe brand, um, uh, even, even a little bit more old school brands like Bittis is another shoe brand I think is pretty cool. You know, and you have a lot of young entrepreneurs. I, I saw a, a jeans brand called, I think, Red Onion or something like that it looks really cool. So there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that are really starting to build out their dreams and building, uh, quality execution on the brand side because that's so important and it's what really creates the moat around you and your competitors in terms of you know you know you know it's not rocket science let's say to make a, a coffee or or a, or, a, or a gene right and you can probably replicate the quality pretty pretty easily let's say but if you really want to make a moat you need to create the brand and the story around it and that's much more difficult to copy right, right? so those brands that you mentioned are kind of doing a really good job at making those stories and creating those experiences yeah. for people and pushing kind of these higher quality experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And Maru, Maru went even further, right? And a lot of the things that, that we do are certainly, um, we, we, you know, that, that they do inspired us. So like working directly with farmers, helping them improve their quality so that they can improve their lives, the grittiness of it all. I really appreciate that. So I think out of all, Maru is certainly one of our one of our big inspirations as a company. I mean, we're very different as well. I mean, they're making an occasional product mostly, right? And we're making a really daily product. Um, but so there's some, you know, strategic differences that you need to account for, but like working with farmers, working with their stories, working, you know, it's it's really core to what we do as well. Great. Like I like them, yep. Great. All right, just a couple more questions then, hopefully easy ones. 
Uh, I want to just, you've mentioned it a couple times now mm-hmm. that you came to, uh, to Vietnam when you were about 22, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. What was the reason for Vietnam? Yeah. So I traveled here. So, you know, I, I, I I'm Dutch, uh, but I spent 10 years in the U S and I traveled. And so I knew sort of North America and Europe pretty well, but I'd never been to Asia. And so I think it was in end of year two. Yeah. Of, of university. I, I, uh, you know, you get long summer holidays in university. So I spent, I think, eight weeks in this region. Mm-hmm. And out of all the countries that I visited, Vietnam spoke to me the most because of this sort of grittiness and energy, had this nice balance between sort of like, let's get things done attitude as well as not like too, too um, uh, impersonal, you okay. know? So it's, it has that business aspect, but it's not like totally impersonal. Mm-hmm. And um, so I really appreciated that. And then I had a job offer for, sorry, an internship offer rather for, for, um, Vietnam in okay. Vietnam uh, from somebody I knew through, through my university. And so I did that for, uh, half a year or so. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, um, and then I got another job. I was actually going to maybe potentially go to Japan to do a master's degree, mm-hmm. but then I, I got another job offer and then I, I kind of stuck, you know, and. And at some point you have such a wonderful network of friends yeah. and, 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 and people around you and other entrepreneurs that you can like get advice from. And, uh, and so, and, 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 you know, as you start investing and building other businesses. So at some point I realized this is my home now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Then lastly, what's coming up next for Lacaf or what do you hope yeah. that people check out next? Yeah. So, so we have, obviously we have this Lacaf Space Saigon and this is, um, you know, we're not a cafe brand, we're a coffee brand. So we do have this space, but it's really for brand communication, education, storytelling, experiences and things like that. And we want to replicate um, the Lacaf Space into Da Nang and Hanoi. So that's what we're working on right now. Um, and, uh, expanding our production facilities. So we built a roastery that only came online about a year and a half ago or something like that. Wow. And it's already kind of needing to be expanded. So we'll, we'll, we'll be working on that. And then I think the most sort of real new thing is, uh, we're, um, contemplating, uh, a research and development coffee farm in Dak Naung province, which is about six hours drive from here. Um, and so the, the farm is focused on Robusta, which is 95% or so of Vietnamese coffee crops. So you have two main coffee varietals, Robusta and Arabica. And, and um, Vietnam is primarily doing Robusta. Robusta doesn't have like a wonderful reputation internationally for quality, which is not it, it, it's deserved for the reputation, but it's not for the right reasons, right? So it's deserved because most robusta gets grown very, like, not with a lot of attention and care. Okay. And so, and it, and it's and it's because it's a very resilient crop, uh, very resilient varietal, and so it gets often grown at very large scale for um, instant coffee and low quality coffee and things like that. And so a lot of people have this idea that Robusta equals not good coffee, which is not necessarily the case. If you do a very high quality execution on the growing and processing and things like that, you can make really wonderful coffee, like really delicious. And in fact, you know, a lot of people who complain about acidity in coffee, so they say it's sour, mm. that's usually because it's very uh, Arabica heavy and, and light roast. And so... Um, 
So Robusta presents also with regard to climate change and things like that because of its resiliency, a really great um, future. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the moment, most of Vietnam's Robusta is grown again, you know, at relatively low quality standards. And so part of the R&D project is to work on um, know-how and methods and technologies that can uh, help coffee farmers produce super high-quality uh, fine robustas. Oh, wow. Um, and and that, that would be something for La Caf, obviously, but even for export. Um, you know, producing uh, export, uh, you know, fine robustas for uh, roasteries in Asia Pacific and beyond, uh, because people are starting, 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 starting to really um, get a little bit of a mind, sh you know, changing their minds about robusta. Uh -huh. You know, uh, we've done several pop-ups in um, in, uh, in in Korea and Seoul, and we always sell out of our fine robustas there because people are getting, becoming really curious. You know, Arabica is kind of like a lot of people know about it already. It's kind of, you know, it's already, you know, I wouldn't say it's done, but it's certainly a lot more further, right? Yeah. But if you want to do something new, Robusta is something really interesting to look at. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a huge undertaking. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, big for project. Sure. Yeah. Then finally, where can people find you or Lakaf online to visit your stores yeah. and find your products? So for me, my name is pretty, um, I'm, I wouldn't say it's 100% unique, but I've never met somebody with my name. So my name is Timen, T-I-M-E-N, mm -hmm. Timen, like time with an N at the end. <laughs> um, so if you go on like LinkedIn, you can probably find me there. Okay. And Instagram. Um, uh, and then for the company, Lacaf, L-A-C-A-P-H. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, uh, we're on, on Facebook, uh, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, so it's pretty easy to find us. And obviously at lacaf.com, so L-A-C-A-P-H.com. Great. So I'll make sure to put all those links in the relevant description so everybody can come and find you and find out what you're up to. Thank you so much for your time. If you have anything else that you are just burning to get out into the world, you can add it in here. I, I really appreciate, you know, um, I, I, I often remind our team, you know, it's because of the people that visit us that we get to do what we love. And so we're always very grateful to have people who coming from other countries to visit and, um, you know, really, really happy about the, and very excited about the future of not only this company, but the coffee, Vietnamese coffee um, um, uh, segment scene as a whole, um, you know, and we really, you know, hope that people visit us here and, and learn because it's super fun and it's also really delicious. Excellent. So, yeah. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank I really you, Alicia. appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it.